Welcome back to another episode of Balling in the Six. We've experienced quite another middling week for Toronto. They've Well, they only played a couple of games. It's been a quiet week for Toronto and we're going to be coming on to another quiet two-game week. Uh, there were interesting games, one against Detroit, one against the Bucks, one and one, as you probably have, have implied from the tone of this intro. And to join us to dissect, to analyze, to rip the heart and soul out of the Eastern Conference, we have Varela Gisi. Oh, it hurts me to do this, but unfortunately our Portland correspondent has hogged all of the uh, Western Conference analysis, so we will have to unfortunately focus on the East. Well, that's fair. I mean, he is in Portland. He is courtside every single game. So, you know, it does make sense. It's I mean, like um, last season when I was uh, when I was flying over the Warriors stadium for the finals game. It, it makes sense for him to make those analyses. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so what else I'm looking at is, let, you know what? Let's start with Detroit. Let's go straight into it. Before Detroit, we would have to have played Mr. Dwayne Casey, right? Of the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. How did you feel going into that game? Well, it was strange because last season there was a lot of bad blood because Dwayne Casey said, and I paraphrase, these fans in Detroit know what it's like to win a championship. Toronto doesn't. And so a lot of people got the impression Damn. that salty, which... I did not know that. Yeah, that's what he said last season. And of course, uh, the Raptors actually lost three times to Detroit last season. So I sort of vindicated him up until, you know, the moment where they won the championship. <laughs> which I, I uh, had to bite him, hasn't it? Yeah, wow. <laughs> he seemed to backtrack on those words. Personally, I have no beef with Mr. Casey. I think, you know, he contributed, right? People like him, people like DeRozan. It was sort of necessary sacrifices in the journey, right? You'll never forget, it's Dwayne Casey who brought through the likes of Van Vliet. He developed Kyle Lowry, you know, he developed DeRozan, you know. So I have no beef with him. And I think uh, what he said before the game was the Raptors winning is great for everybody. It's great for the NBA, great for the fans, and I can't say enough good things. It irks me when I read the narrative that Dwayne is salty. I can't say anything right. I say, okay, we got better every year. Oh, he's salty. Or I say that we developed those guys. Oh, he's salty. Now, Dwayne Casey is not salty at all. I'm happy for everybody who's here. I'm happy for the organization. Masai and I talked this summer. We text back and forth after it's over with. So there's no animosity in my heart. There's no saltiness, no pepper, no hot sauce, anything whatsoever. Did you add the the pepper and the hot sauce? sauce? You know what? I didn't. And I'm going to use that personally in future. Yeah, that's that's fire. No salt and no pepper, no hot sauce. I think that's the saltiest statement I think I've ever heard. If you have well, to reiterate how unsalty you are, how, yeah. how many times did you say the word salty there? It must have been about 10 times, I think. Yeah. That's the man who's very, very upset about how he was, um, how he was fired. But um, to make my only contribution, I think I'm going to make on the Raptors this week. Um, we talked about last week how the Raptors have had to adapt to um, their superstar player leaving the system and potentially um, utilise a new way of playing whereby um, they emphasise ball movement. The reason I link this back to Dwayne Casey is because, of course, after all those failings in the playoffs, 
he was the man who actually um before the season before Kawhi came he actually introduced that team-based play because of course in this in the season prior um it was really just a lot of um slow-paced Lowry and DeRozan iso ball and um potentially uh we could actually say that those are those uh, traits that uh, became now that now they seem to be ingrained in the whole roster he's not wrong in in suggesting that um that play style began with him and to also uh, link this back to the squad depth that we see this year it's almost as if um after Le- uh, Leonard left it's as if everyone moved up one or two steps in the depth chart which is why you're seeing um players taking like increasing roles where they're asked to do more than they normally do which for example like Norman Powell was just primarily a, a spot up three point shooter but even now he's been asked to um play make a little bit in that offense so yeah um, you're right you're right so I mean, just he, to encapsulate all of that yeah that's true i mean he got half an hour and he's regularly getting in the 20s in terms of minutes this season um he was actually one of the star performers this game going back to Dwayne Casey the one thing he would have liked to do is keep up his unbeaten streak against his old club but it pretty much came to an end the Raptors came out firing uh, you had of course Norman Powell in 29 minutes going 7 for 10 for 19 points um, you had the likes of Patrick McCaw coming and delivering off the bench you know stuffing that stat sheet as I like to say Gasol again continued his struggles in this season and he wasn't good yeah. against the Bucks which we'll come on to as well. Uh Gasol of course is only here for this season. He's um he's a sorry, he's a free agent this season or in 2021. Either way he's on a short-term contract. Um and it's lucky that you've got one of or the best backup center in the NBA in Serge Ibaka who came on played 32 minutes, scored 19, 9 from 15 from the field, grabbing the rebounds and uh you're not complaining about you're not complaining about that. Outside of that, you had the regulars. You had Siakam dropping another 30. I think that he's up to 3 30-point games now in five in in just five fixtures and you had a backcourt. The Larry Van Vliet, we talked a little bit about it last week about maybe being a bit undersized. Uh but it's working and it's working defensively, you know, and it helps, you know, when the likes of OG and Siakam and even Norman Powell can kind of guard those 2 to 4 boards quite easily absolutely uh, which really helps um so i mean this was quite a routine win in the end i managed to catch the first half of this game uh and it was fairly routine the raptors good ball movement starters contributing bench contributing and uh no one's complaining uh which is why it kind yeah, of made it to the next one yeah it kind of made it more sad that there was such a sort of collapse against the bucks Uh if you like me sort of missed the start of this game you might have thought that if you came in well if you came in 6 minutes into the game the Raptors hadn't scored a field goal Lowry scored the Raptors first field goal when there was less than 6 minutes on the clock it was one of the sort of strangest most sluggish starts I've ever seen and it was a way in Milwaukee we know from last season from the postseason that Milwaukee are going to want revenge Giannis himself said today that this was almost therapeutic for him. This <laughs> gave him a lot of, you know, closure over that. And as Raptors fans we sort of say, 
yeah, okay, you can have the regular season game. You know, we'll, we're just here polishing our rings, that kind of thing. Um, but no, it was Lowry scored the first basket for the Raptors, and to be honest, he was the only player who turned up for the Raptors. He scored 36. He went 11 from 18 from the field, six assists and four rebounds as well. Um, and he sort of showed the Raptors obviously gave him an extension, so he won't be a free agent next year, and he'll, his contract will thankfully expire just in that magical 2021 free agent draft class mm. uh, when he's just starting. But he's not showing too many signs of decline. He's showing he can lead not a young team, but you know, you've got Van Vliet, Ananobi, and Siakam. He can lead, lead quite a young starting lineup and also deliver in the stat sheet as well. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the positives. I guess I've tried to extrapolate the positives and extend <laughs> that as much as I can because there are a lot of negatives in this game. Um, Raptors lost the first quarters 36-17 and never recovered from there. They did take it up in the third quarter. Lowry single-handedly brought it back within four points in the third quarter. Then the Bucks ran away from it because you know against a team like the Bucks, a team tipped to win the whole thing this year, you can't sleep. You can't sleep for three quarters. It's just it's 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 not acceptable. No. Siakam had a very tough no. time against Giannis. It kind of it, it gets you worried because I talked about this in in the first episode in the predictions. These kind of games actually do matter because although they're only one win or one loss on the stat sheet, they do show and they give us indication of playoff mode. If we had Kawhi to stop Giannis last season, if the Raptors face the Bucks in the postseason, who's going to stop Giannis for? No, no. Well remembered. Um, that's exactly the point I was going to make. Um, you basically look at Siakam's body type and his play style, and you think to yourself. Potentially, you found like the perfect Yanis stopper, but you're absolutely right. The man who shut, well, I don't want to say shut him down, but just um, reduced his productivity was uh, Kawhi last year. So you're absolutely right. That is the matchup to look look ahead to, really to see who. I, I would say Milwaukee almost guaranteed of winning, actually, um, in the postseason when it comes down to it. But really, it's a question of if it remains competitive. Yeah, that's true. But I think just with this current lineup, you know, everyone kind of hails OG, and OG has developed. I haven't mentioned. I, I should give him a mention because he's really stepped it up. He's had to step into Kawhi's role. But yeah. In these first five games, he's shown. I think by the end of the season, he'll he, he might make the all and he might make the all NBA defensive team. He's not going to be an all star. Might make the defensive team because he has been a very effective stopper. When you started with all, I was getting really worried. I actually thought you were going to say all NBA just team flat. I don't know where you're going with that. Um, Potentially most improved player as well, right? Could be part of that conversation as well. Yeah, but of course it's only five five games out of a long sort of 82 82 game season. Yeah, that was disappointing loss to the Bucks, and I think it was also sobering. You know, you go into that game four and one. Uh, you're very close to being top seed and then you know you just get slapped down by a better team and that's a reality we've discussed the Raptors are going to have to face we're not the best team in the East by any means and we're going to have to settle with those sort of middle seeds um, well middle to upper seeds most likely uh, yeah yeah just, and just yeah. the last point I um, wanted to make there was um, you uh, about the fact you were spot on that of course Yanis was more hungry for this fixture than he would be a normal one but also it was a Milwaukee team that did have question marks over it in the first few games. Um, so that for that reason as well, I think they were 
there was even more uh, motivation for, uh, for them to really bounce back from their middling start also so um, yeah particularly like I, I still think like like Bogdanovic Nikola Mirotic I, I don't know how he started for Barcelona in the EuroLeague but um, he's one of those players who's going to be an absolutely huge loss and um, I think the further the season goes on I think the more and more you'll see that yeah that's fair and um, I guess that's a good a good note to end this little section on we're going to go straight live to our Portland correspondent Samuel Jeffries Samuel take it away This is Samuel Jeffries. Just want to have a quick word on Portland. Is my first topic of conversation today. If we look at the Trailblazers, it's been a a three and three start, a questionable one, and many don't think that this season they'll have it to cut it in the stacked Western Conference. And this start is, in a sense, proving them right. But the team does look talented if they can get it together and working coherently on a team level, which Pau Gasol has been helping the team do via the Athletic through his team dinners. But this team, it's full of talent. It just needs to get their defense together, their switches together, their team play together, and they can be a serious threat to maybe the conference finals in the West. Now let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. They've disappointed many. They went 0-5 to start the season, which is shocking for a team that have full of talent, really. De'Aaron Fox, who many were expecting to take a huge jump this year, maybe be an all-star. Buddy Heald, who just got his big 90 million, uh, 85 million, was it, contract extension. And Marvin Bagley, who obviously broken thumb early on in the season. But they're disappointing people. And I don't blame the players here, I blame the coach. Luke Walton, his rotations firstly have been very weird. He feels like he can't play body healed without De'Aaron Fox on the floor, which is quite ridiculous really, as healed is a individual scoring threat at all times, which would work really well with the second unit. And his play calling, he's not getting them running fast in transition. And maybe that's because their defense is mad, they've not been getting stops, but something needs to change there. I think it needs to be the coach. The two surprise teams that have emerged early this season are the Spurs and the Timberwolves, who both sit atop of the Western Conference at 4-1. and one. They're shocking all of us, really. Two teams that many of us doubted to even make the playoffs this season. But I think there's a few variables that are playing up here. I think for the Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns, although he's missing a couple games because of his fight with Joel Embiid has been phenomenal to start the season. He's looking like an MVP candidate if he keeps up this kind of form. The Timberwolves, along with a slightly improved Andrew Wiggins, who's taking more efficient shots, none of his usual long mid-range pull-ups, Carmelo Anthony-style play. And with the Spurs, it's just been Popovich, DeRozan, Aldridge, and it's just been mixed in with a couple of young guys, Murray and Podol, playing pretty decent basketball.
There is one team in the East, in fact, one team in the league that can go 82 and 0 this season. It's Philadelphia 76ers. It's the team that the Raptors had to rely on four lucky bounces to beat in the end against one of the probably the most fearsome playoff teams anyone has ever faced and beaten. And they just they turned back the clock, they shipped off Butler, and they're running it back again with an improved squad. Well, an arguably improved squad. And of course, a few nice rookies. They're talking about, well, who's contributed to this 5-0 run for Philadelphia? Well, um, of course, this has been a team effort. And it, it does come from these stars performing as expected. But um, potentially one player that may have flown under the radar slightly, but which kind of isn't the case also because he has been receiving a lot of hype for leading those steel statistics but it is uh, Matisse Thibel and um, I've watched a considerable amount of tape on the young man and um, just I'm trying to really com- think about which other defender I can compare him with and I think the oh, only I- one that really pops to mind is actually Kawhi uh, this this was, I'd say, a young Kawhi who invested more of his energy on the defensive end. Um, if you just look at um, his build for a start, um, I think he's around the six foot five, six foot six range, um, maybe one or two inches smaller than Kawhi. But like Kawhi, he has those exceptionally long arms. He has a seven foot wingspan and exceptionally large hands also. But um, just the way he harasses ball handlers like um, in the Utah game pretty much shut Mike Conley out of the game um, I'm trying to remember did he, which... did, he, did he ever defend the greatest player in the league Bogdanovich in that Utah uh, he may have done at some points but of course like you can't uh, analyse those matchups too much because um, it, it's really unfair to have the best player playing against a rookie uh, this early but um but yeah, just um, he has that sort of defensive presence. Like I, I again, I go as far as saying, um, yeah, I, I'd say he's um, has has had an even greater impact than say Beverly and Smart on the defensive end. Like it's been absolutely ridiculous, just taking whoever he's guarding out of the game completely. Um, and that's not just about those steel stats. Which like you look at somebody like Steph, he has quite high steel stats and not to be down on his like defensive impact but the other aspect is of course staying in front of your man and harassing him but the number of times Matisse actually turned the ball handler around who then would have to rely on screens to free himself from Matisse it consistently happened over and over again so um, although I do think he's been although I said he flew under, flew under the radar there are other people who have noticed this but um, he really has to improve a lot on the offensive end but again making that comparison with Kawhi hopefully he's in the system where um, players development can be prioritised because again this is a Philly team that has taken its time with Embiid and with Simmons but potentially because they're a team that is looking to win now they may not be so patient with him well with the departure of Jimmy Butler, I was sort of worried they haven't got that sort of 
monstrous defensive presence that opposition offences would be, you know, scared of going. But this rookie has sort of stepped right into it. And as we said before, they've decided to almost run it back. I mean, Simmons is not shooting great. I don't think we've seen a three-point attempt yet, which has been disappointing. But uh, he's delivering on the playmaking front. He's averaging eight assists a game. You've got Embiid, who of course had quite a famous uh, falling out, as we should put it lightly. I'm not sure now, but agreement, some would say. A minor disagreement between uh, two of the most entertaining big men in the NBA. Um, Tobias is shooting well. Al Horford is really impressing. People would think he might play a bit part role, but of course. Um, he's slotted in really well at the four, which has been really interesting. Um, sort of in tandem, he's playing 32 minutes a game. He's playing alongside Embiid, which is a different role to which he had with Celtics. But he's he's scoring 16 a game, grabbing eight rebounds. So again, no one's complaining. Yeah. Um, and of course, you have the likes. You have, you know, as you said, you have the likes of uh, Matisse. Uh, delivering as a rookie, but then you have also role players like uh, Frokan Korkmaz, who of course, as uh, Jeffries mentioned there, delivered a dagger against Portland last night, a clutch dagger. And um, when you do that as a rookie, you have the confidence to have the ability to pull that out of your arsenal at such a crucial time and, you know, maintain that unbeaten record. You know, it's every game until they get beat is a really important game for Philly now. Uh, and, you know, we shouldn't forget that. Um, you have all these players contributing off the bench, and if you need if you need experience, you have Kylo Quinn, you have Mike Scott. You know, I uh, I see this Philly team going further than further than we thought, uh, further than we predicted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were well, me especially. I was quite down on them when it came to predictions. But um, again, another player that we haven't mentioned again is a starter for the team is Josh Richardson, and. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't really been able to focus on too much film for him, but um, uh, it has been highlighted that he has been shooting quite poorly. So um, when we were talking about, well, when you mentioned the Jimmy Butler replacement, in fact, um, Richardson was more so labelled to be the like-for-like replacement. So if we start seeing some increased production from him, um, this really this team could go from strength to strength. Yeah, you're right. Well, um, there's only one team that's following quite closely behind them. It's a team that I would I, I would say was very underrated at the start of the season, and one of the teams I did predict as my um, my surprise package. Bro, do you want to talk us through why the Miami Heat are doing so well in the East? Are we are we just gonna skip over the Embiid and the Towns beef then? Is that all we're going to discuss? Cause... Well, what needs, what needs to be said? It's uh, two entertaining hotheads having having a little scrap in the middle of the court and then continuing on Instagram <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, see, um, I don't know uh, what you think about this theory, but um, like these two have uh, had a little bit of beef ever since um, really Towns came into the league. Well, actually, ever since Embiid started playing regularly, let's say. But... Um, I think potentially it may have actually been inflamed by um, the fact that Jimmy Butler also went to the 76ers and of course Jimmy and uh, Carl have had previous history um, again let's be euphemistic throughout this whole thing um, so maybe 
that maybe that was part of the beef somewhat. Maybe Joel said something in his ear about you know the ex, and then uh, <laughs> that maybe aggravated the whole situation. <laughs> Do you think that's possibility? I mean, uh, I wouldn't say I've watched the tapes back in slow motion and <laughs> the body language of everyone. No lip reading. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest, some people do that. That could be a job for someone uh, Someone at the Athletic TM. Um, so, I, you know, I wouldn't expect that from anyone else but Joel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, but Joel's also a guy who... Did a uh, did an aeroplane celebration after dunking against the Raptors, and then started crying when Kawhi shot it in. I mean, he's he's sort of emotionally he's emotionally a little bit unstable, and um, I think it's quite. I love him as a player, but it's also quite funny when he gets taken down a notch. So yeah, um, absolutely. When I'm, you have an ego that's big, it is. I don't know about you. Oh, 100%. percent. I. He's shown himself to be humble, hardworking, yeah, 100%. In this sort of uh, Love Island NBA. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and moving on to the Heat. Sorry for the interruption. No, no, no worries. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. No, 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 please, please. I'd like you to take it because, of course, um, the Heat were Kamel's surprise team this season. So he has, um, he's mentioned that he has particularly focused on them uh, with the start of the season. Yeah, um, so the Heat have been delivering uh, really, really well. Um, they've gone four and one. Uh, you chose a couple of particular rookies on the Heat. Um, why don't you, you talk about them? Yeah, yeah. So um, Tyler Harrow is the name that I mentioned, uh, I believe, in the last episode. And I said at the time that I hadn't uh, watched a lot of tape of his, but I had. Um, heard enough of the preseason hype but um wow that, that's all you can say wow <laughs> the boy can shoot he can definitely shoot um when it comes to uh playmaking um of course he's still a rick- rookie um i found that there were quite a few times where he missed um i wouldn't say like open looks but um you know those passes that like experienced um, ball handlers and just uh, experienced playmakers can make, let's say. But um, overall, just to see somebody with that much confidence this early on in his career, like he he already looks like he's he's capable of taking any and every shot, um, fadeaways, step backs, um, deep from three. Uh, it's really, honestly very, very refreshing to see that kind of confidence. And what about his um, partner in crime, Kendrick Nunn? Yeah, Kendrick Nunn. I mean, I'm sure some people have like uh, heard of his backstory, the fact that he was undrafted and now that he's playing at this kind of level. Um, Kendrick has a lot more and has shown a lot more to his arsenal. Although, like, shooting, of course, like that was a big strength of his. Um, if you look at college, he was shooting around 38, 39% from three. Um, he was an okay shooter um, in the G League, but um, really it's all the other aspects of his play that really astounded me. Like, um, again, I think he's on around three or four assists a, uh, a game. Um, 
but that's also slightly askew statistic again if you um watch tape of his um definitely capable of finding open shooters he's he can make those pocket passes and um those little dump offs in the pick and roll he certainly got that in his locker um very very good on the defensive end um I think for young players uh, particularly um although it's um more likely that they come into the league and that they're all, they're good on ball defenders because of course that comes with um lateral quickness and um really hustle in general which is something that you know rookies who are looking to please they're more exceptional in that department but with none like uh the way he rotates uh, defensively as well like he reads the defense really really well um he rotates when he needs to for example so um despite again with all the flashy stuff from Hero like I think with none like you're going to get a consistency and potentially a secondary or if if you consider bam the secondary star star to Butler potentially you're going to see like that tertiary around 15 to 20 point a game scorer that if the Heat are looking to compete um, that they really need Fair enough so uh, we'll get the endorsement that none is the real deal and uh, as I was having a chat to our Portland correspondent earlier who much agreed and is celebrating his fantasy basketball success as well um, one other player I wanted to bring up was actually one of my picks for potential MIP uh, yeah. Bam Adebayo Mm-hmm. Um, he's not just delivered on the rebound front he's also been one of the most excellent defensive players um, and he really passes the eye test which is very important but um, even if you just look at the, even if you just look at the stat sheets 15 points a game he's finally getting a start of course he's playing 30, 33 minutes he's also getting five, uh, 10 rebounds a game he's also getting five over 5 assists a game which is extremely useful in this sort of system you've got shooters like Butler you've of course got uh, Harrow uh, even Olinick, James Johnson, as we said, Kendrick Nunn, who can forget. So uh, it's an extremely useful tribute, uh, a tribute to have as a as a big man, the ability to sort of play make. It's kind of Gasol esque, and um, yeah, I think I this was that. most displayed actually in just the second game of the season. It was the overtime win against the Bucks, and Bam actually got a really clutch block on Giannis, and I think that only a special type of player can do that. You, you're not going to see that from from scrubs. You're only seeing that from the Kawhis, the LeBrons, and the special players. Are we going to see Bam finally enter that this season? I think mm-hmm. he's much vindicated my prediction. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think to wrap that team up as well, um, it, it's not been Jimmy Express, which I think we expected it to be as well. Yeah, Jimmy. So, uh, Jimmy's actually been a playmaker. He's um, he's been delivering almost ten assists a game. Yeah, exactly. Of course, um, Jimmy had. Um, Jimmy had a baby girl who um, many thought actually might suit up for one of the games. Uh, this was according to one of the uh, Miami sources, which was misread in the end. But I know there was a lot of confusion. People were like, is she really going to suit up at just the age of one day old instead of Kendrick Nunn? So that was a bit, that came with a bit of confusion to the city. But I'm I have no idea what you mean, Kamel. I've got to be honest. I'm very confused. Oh, w- w- what's the confusion? I mean, um... Are you saying his newborn child was about to um, play for the team? There was a rumor, yeah. I can, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I need Where to. Where's that come from then? Oh, I, it's it's. Uh, you know what? I I 
I am going to bring it up now. So if you want to talk about anything else for the half a minute I'm taking looking this up, then feel free. Um, I was expecting like some sort of joke about Carl Anthony Towns and like how he's like the new adopted father, or like actually probably the biological father of the ex's <laughs> baby. But okay, uh, no, no, it came yeah, from. Um, sorry, I've come. It's come from the Miami Miami Heat beat insider Greg Leaf Sylvander, who tweeted: Jimmy Butler named his daughter Riley. Uh, will start tonight, and so this confused a lot of people. You know, is Riley, is it Riley Curry, is it, you know, are we going to do Curry's, maybe it's Riley Curry. <laughs> but anyway, that, so, so, so it's important, I mean, as... ...so often on this podcast, it's... Well, I think, I think it's just a good note to end on in terms of, you know, being the media. We're, we're big players in the British basketball media, and, you know, we, we get our facts right. We get our predictions right, we get our analysis right. That's why you pay the big bucks. Yeah, to probably to this. not. The off-court incidents, probably not what we should be focusing on. But hey ho. Brilliant. Well, this has been a wonderful episode, and we're going to cap it off at the half-hour mark. Thanks once again for appearing on Balling in the Six. See you ne- next week, mate. Too.